Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the The green Green peak Peak. with your host, Richard Zwicky. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky, uh, founder and CEO of Planet Global. And today on the green peak, we're uh, talking with Kieran Tracy, head of business development and Aaron Clark, Director of Compliance for Quality and Compliance Systems, Inc. Um, Kieran and Aaron, thanks so much for joining today. Uh, compliance is an issue which uh, continues to be a problem for many companies, but also is the uh, a huge opportunity in the space with regards to uh, products and getting them to customers and meeting medical standards. And you know, there's a lot of product in the markets around the world and compliance is probably one of the biggest barriers that people have to work through and people in the industry need to really be mindful of and you know people make mistakes but there's also did you make a mistake that can be corrected or are you not mindful of them and not paying attention and uh, i'm sure you've seen a lot of both and it'll be interesting to uh get your take on that um kieran you've uh you've been involved for digital health for 15 odd years um, mostly in Canada and the like, and worked with a number of startups going through the process of uh, quality and compliance services. How's that translated to medical cannabis for you? It's uh, actually translated in uh, several ways. I'd say that the first is that um, I've noticed that companies that are successful in the medical cannabis space are those that are patient focused. Um, I found that in uh, digital medicine, if that is your lens, then uh, you can do great things. Uh, if you're trying to achieve other things outside of that um, view and perspective, uh, those companies tend and trend not to do uh, very well. Uh, so I, I've found that that translates very well. I found that uh, also um, you also have to cater to physicians in medical cannabis. You have to keep in mind that these are the people that will be prescribing uh, your drug as a medication and treatment, and you have to build your strategy and your long-term planning around meeting the needs of the clinicians, both physicians and nurses, so that they're able to prescribe the drug knowing that it's going to have the desired effects um, that uh, you report that the drug has and that the studies show um, provide. So, um I, I find that that is also um, something that has translated well. And one of the things, too, that I've seen in the industry is companies that focus on patients 
and collect patients and have them as a cohort, if you will, of people that they can actually prescribe medication to, they seem to be the ones that have survived uh, the downturn in the investment dollars uh, because they actually have something that's of interest uh, to the market, both from a mergers and acquisitions perspective as well as an ongoing concern perspective. Uh, and those are pretty much the three major things that I've seen there. Right. No, that's that's excellent. And Darren, you know, you you came at it from a different you know part of the coin, in terms of compliance is one thing, but quality um, leads is part of the enforcement of of compliance, but also it feeds back to compliance. They're, they're a bit of a symbiotic relationship. And how how are you approaching it from the perspective of you've got a huge pharmaceutical background, and uh, what are the things you're looking at? with regards to cannabis firms that you wish they all paid more attention to? Well, that's an excellent question. I think the, the key thing for me is uh, uh, the, the industry is continuing to evolve and uh, the, the compliance requirements uh, in contrast to the pharmaceutical environment are, are very much evolving. Uh, they also are fairly well uh, understood by the industry, but there's a lot of new players in the industry. And I think that one of the key things that uh, I would stress to those out in the industry right now, especially the leadership, is to ensure you know what you're talking about and and uh, what your business model is. And uh, to Kieran's point earlier, what patients or, or consumers you're serving uh, in order to ensure that uh, really you have a positive outcome uh, when you actually put marketplace, uh, specifically uh, the quality systems that are out there, are certainly for the Canadian market, uh, as as we know, are a subset of the wider pharmaceutical expectations uh, across international markets. And uh, conveying those differences and, and understanding them uh, is also very important. No, it absolutely is. And you, you know, you made a comment there about pharma expectations, and it actually ties back to what Stuart was saying which you know, is the reason why we started Plano was doctors have to be able to provide dosage-controlled uh, systems to patients. And doctors will only really start writing prescriptions when they know they can provide patients an exact uh, medication or as, as exact as possible that they say, hey, this is 10 milligrams every day, twice a day, whatever you're getting as a, uh, a delivered and uh, a medicine as opposed to a broad-range access, which is where things started with, you know, doctors wrote a prescription that just said cannabis. And right. that's not going to cut it. That doesn't cut it in the pharma side. And pharma's expectations, you know, pharma, you know, there's GW and there's a couple of others who are obviously they're cannabis-focused uh, pharma companies, but the, the really big pharma companies, they've got to be looking at this and struggling. And where do you see their biggest struggles are for entering the market to deliver those real medical solutions to patients? That's a really good point. Actually, and then legislation obviously varies market by market, but our listeners are very international. So mm -hmm. let's look at it from the on the broader context. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we're varying between Canada, which is a, a medical market that uh, it is prescribed, but as you mentioned, is not a formulated product. So the product itself is dried cannabis or tinctures that are not formulated to a set concentration. And as you pointed out, the, the, the key thing with pharmaceutical products is that they are formulated to a certain concentration in order to, to 
produce a therapeutic effect that's within control. And in, in terms of uh, your question, the, the key point, I believe, is, is around uh, managing the transition between some of the individual uh, country or state requirements, for example, in the US, and uh, feeding those into the, the wider internationalization. We talk about the good manufacturing practices and, and the, the consistency that that brings, the lens that that brings uh, to making sure that patient outcomes are uh, equivalent and, and measurable and, and consistent. We, we talk about safety, identity, strength, purity, quality. And uh, in terms of uh, the regular pharmaceutical environment, those are all really well-established uh, criterion that, that are evaluated by regulators uh, in a set manner. Whereas uh, at the present moment, we're, we're dealing with a, a nascent industry that's uh, really dealing with uh, regulations that are maybe not so consistent. And certainly we've seen um, some differences in, in the enforcement model. So I think uh, back, back to where we started, uh, the, the barriers to entry, I think, are just for established pharma players to understand uh, the basis of what uh, they're being offered here, uh, which are products often that are not formulated for, for a set pharmacological purpose, um, and making sure that those uh, products and how they're going to be used in a medical setting are understood. Right. Absolutely. So when you look at the, taking that a bit further for both of you, when you look at the pharma industry and compliance and quality, uh, how different is it from what you see being implemented in the medical cannabis space um, in different markets? And this, you know, the variation in standards, is it, you know, some, everybody says it's incredibly strict. Is that harder or is it easier? Some say it's incredibly lax in some areas. Is that true? Um, where, what do you see? And which do, where do you see the offenders versus the really ones who are doing it right? Well, that's that's an excellent question. I'll lead off on that one. This is this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, the, the 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 key thing uh, for me is uh, the. Uh, Good production practices, and as an example, in Canada, is the scheme uh, for compliance uh, under the Cannabis Regulations Cannabis Act here uh, that we have to uh, ascribe to, and and it very much is focused on an amalgam of food, uh, pharmaceutical, especially natural health products, and uh, and uh, anything else that Health Canada, frankly, I, I think, uh, um, thought through, and that is a subset really of what uh, traditional good manufacturing practices are. Case in point, uh, process validation, consistency of product is not a requirement under uh, the good production practices. And that's a key plank in, in ensuring that, that patients and, and consumers are in fact safe and, and uh, that the product we're putting out there is, is in good shape. I think the, the other piece to that is, is making sure that we understand uh, in fact how our uh, compliance strategies work. So when a, an inspector comes to inspect a medical cannabis facility at, at maximum six months apart, you know, it, it's, it's a different sort of inspection than uh, a more structured one in a pharmaceutical setting. An example would be uh, there's no requirement for me in a, in, a, in a medical cannabis in Canada to hold self-inspection records and assess the quality of my, my quality management system, uh, whereas it very much that's a, uh, a central plank of um, a state of control model that the pharmaceutical industry requires. No, that's really interesting. And I'd actually, when we come back from the break, Stuart, I'd love to tackle your perspective on that. Uh, we have to take a short break here on Richard's Wiki with uh, the Green Peak. And uh, today, uh, Stuart and Aaron are joining us for a discussion on uh, quality and compliance. 
The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. And we're back with The Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky, and today we've got Kieran and Aaron talking about dosage um, quality compliance, dosage control, pharmaceutical expectations, and the application thereof across uh, the medical cannabis industry in comparison to the pharma industry. And uh, Kieran, just before the break, we were talking uh, with regards to how different uh, compliance and quality systems are in current medical versus expectations in pharma. What, what are you seeing? What do you hope for? Well, I'll comment more on the business side of things uh, to, to respond to that question and specifically focused on culture. Uh, I'm seeing that the successful companies are those that have a culture that is similar to that of pharma insofar as the fact that they want to create, as uh, Aaron was saying, a consistent and safe product for human and animal consumption. Uh, those uh, other types of plays that we've seen with you know venture capital dollars and behind them, the, the, the quick elixirs, if you will, um, that are just uh, trying to make the quick buck, uh, I think their time has come and gone in the industry. I think the serious players are those that are going to rise to the top now. And uh, you're going to see that those that have that culture uh, where they are pushing and advocating for the patients and for consistent and good quality product are the ones that are going to win the day. Absolutely. I mean, quality trumps anything in terms of, uh, you know, medical and safety. Uh, Nobody wants to take a, uh, or be concerned about having a product that isn't of the highest quality. Um, one point you also uh, mentioned just a moment ago, Aaron, was about self-inspection records aren't necessary to be kept. Uh, 
how do you see that? I mean, some obviously some uh, jurisdictions need that and are required in the regulations. Some don't. Uh, what's the best, you know, is there a particular cantonation in terms of companies should be running random self-inspections and keeping the records weekly, monthly, at random? How do you, how do you approach that? That's a good question. So in terms of risk management, uh, the, the key plank is that we want to make sure that we've got systems in place, quality systems in place that meet the needs of our, our patients, essentially, uh, to, to touch on your point. And in terms of making sure that that happens, uh, uh, the best uh, folks to do that are, in fact, uh, our leaders and, and those participating in those systems. Uh, and we really want to make sure that they feel engaged and empowered to, to improve those systems and, and, and make sure that we are in fact making good product uh, in terms of frequency you know the the, the, the minimum requirement uh, for pharma setting is is once annually you look over all your systems but uh, honestly we we talk about a risk-based uh, system where we're looking over areas uh, to improve in uh in, in detail where they pop up so if we're talking about a, a system We've seen things go wrong, maybe in a manufacturing area, and we want to make sure that, uh, that they are corrected and they're doing well, then, then we do that more frequently. And, and typical ways that we do that is, is either through uh, an elevated frequency where we go and look at our systems and whether they're following them, or in fact, uh, you know, just a random audit. Uh, we've certainly conducted external uh, quality audits in this regard, um, either either through uh, the, the proactive ones, the ones I, I prefer, prefer to attend, uh, or as the ambulance where, where regulators come through and, and maybe they've had an adverse outcome. Um, but the key thing is that you're consistent with those and that anything found by either the, the, the personnel on the site uh, or the external uh, folks coming in is actually translated into actions. And, and maybe this is a, a nice segue into some of the you know, adverse compliance outcomes we saw earlier this year, where I think some of those, those issues were uh, identified through internal checks and uh, maybe not uh, brought to the attention of management or, or given the priority by management that they deserved in order to fix uh, the, the, the issues and ultimately reduce uh, their regulatory and business risk. Well, from a business perspective, I think that uh, companies should be doing the self-inspections regardless of what jurisdiction they're in. Um, it's best practice. It ensures that uh, you have a good quality product available to your consumer uh, base and it just ensures that you have a good operation from uh, from a regular going concern perspective. It does, and we run random fire drills for that perspective out at our facility. And uh, you never know what's going to happen in terms of your ex expectation is every all the standards are met and adhered to. But every time you do one, it's like okay, let's test the system, let's try and break it, and let's see what we can improve because. And that, yeah, I cringe sometimes in talking to some people who said they've received a certification. And then, you know, they, they received it. So they said, well, we got it. Now we can slack off. And said, so, no, this is, this is like a lifestyle. You have to be on this 24-7. This is the mantra. And compliance has to be key. And quality has to be key. And if you make mistakes there, you make them everywhere. And uh, it's not just in the lab. It's in how you're growing the product, how you're moving the product, how you're storing the product. You name it, um, you know, and those random those random tests. I don't know. Tell us a bit about your guys' firm, and do you run? Do you help uh, customers organize those, develop them? Where do you come in, and where do you guys like to finish? 
with the customers? Well, we, we, we can come in at a variety of different entry points. It really depends on where the customer is at when they first uh, reach out to us. Um, we do like to take a, like a quality excellence approach. Uh, if we are at the very beginning of the stage with them uh, for a variety of companies, we did do that. We would help with like the facility design review. Uh, and then we would go into developing up the quality management system. Uh, and then part of the GMP requirements then is to qualify your equipment, validate your software, do a self-inspection audit, um, as we were just discussing, uh, and then be ready uh, for and, and train up your staff, obviously, in the GMPs, and then be ready for your foreign audit. So we, we really do do the full journey with our client organizations, but some have started before uh, we arrive, et cetera. And uh, we then, you know, enter into a relationship with them at whatever that point of entry is uh, in order to assist them. Right. And speak to me a little bit about your firm, because I think our listeners, you know, they really should be interested in what you're saying and the perspective of they should be paying attention to these things. Who would they call? Our company is 25 years old. It's one that's been uh, assisting the pharmaceutical industry for a very long time. And what we're seeing is a 80-year-old prohibited drug uh, suddenly being allowed back into the world stage. The rules and regulations um, are such that this drug can be uh, introduced, managed, and regulated uh, very similar to any other pharmaceutical product. And it's really about educating the market and bringing people up to speed to the current standard. Uh, we uh, provide the Blue Book, which is a popular publication amongst quality professionals globally uh, that has the FDA and Health Canada regulations uh, that are all based on the WHO uh, GMP standard that also includes the EU and other MRA countries, such as the Commonwealth countries. And we just assist companies in understanding those regulations and applying them uh, correctly uh, and at cost effectively too. I think that's really important that you, you don't want to overshoot on, uh, on these requirements either. Uh, and we help right size that and ensure that you're able to maintain them. And I think to an earlier point that you were saying there, Richard, about uh, some companies don't understand really what they're getting into when they move forward with a GMP strategy, that it's not only about the cost of setting up, it's also about your maintenance uh, um, of that system. And it's one that it's with you for life um, as a company. You are now a pharmacy grade company uh, that's uh, interacting on the international stage. And you're going into different markets where regulators are all going to be trying to ensure that your product is safe for their citizens. And we help you achieve that by ensuring that you meet the highest standard so you can go um, where other companies cannot. Perfect, perfect. And I'll come back to that. Uh, we should come back to, the, again, to that again after the break. And uh, I'm Richard Zwick at the Green Peak. And today, of course, we have uh, expertise, a strong, deep expertise in compliance and quality with Aaron Clark and Kieran Tracy joining us today. We'll be right back. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. 
my guests say Razzy Berry. We're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle, get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. That's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling. With the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Candid. Captivating. Compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. Oh, you got me again. All right. Uh, you, you got me again. Welcome to Cannabis okay. Confidential. Ah! <laughs> hey, we did it. We did it. Yeah, Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. And I'm Richard Zwicky, back with Kieran Tracy and Aaron Clark for Quality and Compliance Services, uh, Inc. Inc. Um, as we head into the last segment of this show, uh, perhaps it would be really good if you could let listeners know your uh, website URL and how to reach you as we uh, discuss this, because I'm sure a lot want to jot it down and have the notes at this point. There's so much information. Thank you, Richard, for that opportunity. Uh, we are www.qualityandcompliance.com. Uh, we were actually the company that coined the term many, many years ago. That's a, a great position to be in because it's such a valuable and uh, underappreciated part of our whole marketplace. And actually, that leads into uh, some of the things I was thinking about with regards to everything we're saying. You know, we started based on the hypothesis. Cannabis as a medicine shouldn't be treated uh, any differently than any other medicine. And people talk about it as being different and exotic. And, you know, there's, of course, some who talk about you know, the different cannabinoids and terpenes and all the different aspects and the entourage effect. And there's a lot of research to be done discovering what really, where those barriers are, barriers or limits are more precisely. But fundamentally, you know, the hypothesis that we have, which is, if we're making a medicine, we should treat it as a medicine, and it really shouldn't be any different. It should meet those standards. But when we look at you know, the different international frameworks from that perspective, how different is the international framework around medicine, and how is that being translated to how cannabis is being held in each of those uh, jurisdictions? 
Well, I, I, maybe I can jump in on this one, but just to say massively, I mean, the, 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 the key thing uh, here is that uh, we look at Germany and obviously it's a pr uh, pharmacy product uh, that have you dried cannabis. And then we look to other jurisdictions when we've got formulated uh, oil products going into the market or in fact now in Canada where there's edibles and, and beverages on the market. So in terms of uh, how um, the medical uh, bases, though, you know, in Canada, I'll speak to that first. Maybe we're, we're talking traditional forms of cannabis. Um, we look to other markets such as Jamaica, it's it's ganja there, and, and, and in terms of uh, traditional forms, there, uh, the requirements for those are, I would say fairly simple, but so are the claims. We're not allowed to make claims on how that medicine can actually work. And in terms of uh, uh, the market uh, uh, claims and, and uh, then as a quality professional managing things like adverse events and recalls, uh, that becomes uh, quite difficult to manage. And uh, it, we're seeing as different countries light up, uh, um, medicinal cannabis means or medical cannabis means different things in different markets. Like I touched on dried cannabis, but uh, in terms of formulated drug products, where we, I, I believe we're heading um, and, and uh, combination products even, uh, for example, the GW Pharma product, uh, we're going to see quite a variety, uh, and that's part of what cannabis is. There's, you know, the 150 plus molecules that uh, we know of that that are likely to have those effects, and how they're packaged, and how they're put together. Um, so the, the differences are huge, uh, and uh, as the the regulatory frameworks are evolving. Um, I think the last point I'd like to make is around the licensing type. So in Canada here, it's very hard to site licensing rather than licensing of the product, the medical product, unless it's going through the classical drug product framework. Uh, is again somewhere in the middle with uh, the Germany market, uh, and then elsewhere it's it's a real mixed bag. So really, I think we're on a journey still uh, to 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 figure out where that sits. Uh, there's a lot of clinical work going on, uh, very much aware of that, and uh, I'm curious to see what regulators make of this as well as we start to 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 move products through the chain. Yes, and you know the point you touched upon about site licensing. You know, it's not just Canada. I'm down in uh, Columbia right now, uh, visiting our facility, and the way the licensing works here, it'll actually allows you to run multiple locations under one license, but you have to you have each license authorized. Uh, whereas in Peru, it's site by site is the uh, path the government's chosen to go from, and as a means to, you know, they want to control the uptake so that they stay on site, and uh, they've got a very heavy. Uh, standard process, you know, for to get that license, you need the Peruvian GMP uh, labs and uh, drying and everything else on site, not in a remote location. You can't just harvest the plant, dry it, and set it somewhere else for processing. It's all got to be on site, and you only get your license after you've invested. Uh, so it's a huge barrier to entry, but it also is one that forces company to look at that quality and compliance right up front, as opposed to we'll get to it later. Um, other markets that you're looking at from an international perspective and the differences, where do you see it going? I think that the markets are going to start to specialize a bit, you know, like um, we, we represent a number of companies in Jamaica um, and we're on the ground there and it's one where they are doing, you know, GACP, so good agricultural collection practices out in the fields. Uh, and then bringing that product up to the processing uh, area, which is then GMP, 
uh, and then they are um, creating their oils uh, from the product there, as well as uh, doing the local supply to the market. But I think that you know they they have they're a very low cost option uh, where they're able to produce uh, grams for less than a dollar. Uh, and there's an express purpose for that, especially as uh, the edibles uh, and cannabis-infused drinks market uh, expands. Um, I think Jamaica's got a special place in everyone's hearts when it comes to the spiritualism uh, of the cannabis plant. Um, and I think uh, everyone the world over celebrates that fact. Um, but I also see that Colombia, uh, Peru, these are two incredible countries that grow just so bountifully uh, and so beautifully uh, that I think that they are going to be the number one providers of the very low cost option uh, for uh, materials, uh, for oils, as well as API. Um, I think that the U.S. has got its challenges uh, right now because they have uh, various states that it's legal for medical and then some states where it's legal for both medical and recreational. I think they really have to come up with a national strategy uh, because they're creating pockets of uh, black market uh, and they're also making it very difficult for a corporate entity to operate in multi-jurisdictions because uh, each state is dictating, for example, even what software you can use. Uh, so they've got some very unique challenges there. I think the UK is an exciting market. Um, and I think that uh, they're going to be in their unique position uh, that they are putting themselves into with Brexit, uh, that they are going to uh, be a leader in the space um, more for the, 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 the higher end dosage forms uh, and being in a, a, a gateway into Europe. And uh, I pass it over to Aaron to comment on Southeast Asia and Australia because he is our resident uh, in office. Absolutely. So in terms of your question, I think uh, we're see, starting to see Southeast Asia really opened up. Um, I'm looking very much uh, with interest at the referendum about to uh, hit New Zealand. Um, the uh, draft bill that's before Parliament at the moment, and, and that very much is, is, is seeking a, a similar to Canada model, given that uh, you know medicinal cannabis or medical cannabis is still, uh, sorry, is available in New Zealand. Uh, it's just been a supply issue up until this point. So uh, those markets, I think, coming on tap, uh, they're, they're very much a mix of uh, what I would call classical uh, uh, cannabis products, again, going back to the dried and, and uh, um, classic uh, flower markets. Um, we're also seeing, and maybe just to touch on this, the, the, we've got full-blown drug products that are entering trials, and they are of many different forms. I'm thinking of the vaporizers, the um, medical devices, uh, all sorts of uh, combination. Uh, but what I'd, I'd say is there's there's a spot in the, the monster in the room of the elephant in the room is, uh, is the CBD uh, containing products. And I can't imagine for a moment that uh, um, uh, regulators are not thinking of some sort of middle ground where these products are going to sit, uh, where they don't have uh, high contents of uh, psychedelic style uh, drugs, uh, THC containing drugs, but are you know have to be regulated. So I do expect to see some activity in that space uh, fairly soon. Uh, but uh, uh, I would love that crystal ball so I can I can actually plan and prepare myself. Fantastic, fantastic. And I know uh, we're out of time for today. I want to thank everybody for listening to Green Peak. Um, gents, uh, do you want to just remind everybody of their domain name so they know how to contact you once more, please? 
Certainly, yeah. I'm uh, Kieran Tracy, head of business development for Quality and Compliance. Uh, our website, www.qualityandcompliance.com. Uh, please reach out. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Great. Thank you. And of course, joining you is Aaron Clark, uh, who's the director of compliance. And uh, you guys have had some great insights into the industry uh, globally with regards to where it's going and also what needs to happen. And it's something I hope that every grower, producer, extractor really takes good care of, very mindful of. You know, we all have to go to the highest standards possible. Otherwise, it's the patients who pay. Thank you very much to everybody for listening today. And I'll talk to you again next week on The Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.